kind of music do you usually have here? Oh, we got both kinds. We got country and western. Country or western? Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. Tell us what you want to hear on Lone Star Internet Radio. The following is a live broadcast of a Lone Star community radio program. Recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Connors FM 104.5, 106.1, and Facebook.com slash IRLoneStar. For more information on this show, please visit our show page at IRLoneStar.com slash shows. To sponsor or donate to this program, visit our donate page at IRLoneStar.com slash donate, or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com, or give us a call at 936-666-1084. Lone Star Community Radio production and broadcast is possible by folks like you. So sponsor and donate today. You know, show solidarity, make some money, and hopefully keep it in the space for a little while longer. That's good. So I've been working on the script for that. Well, it sounds like there's so many layers to certain businesses, like it's like a, like a theater, and everyone's kind of doing going back to normal, but it's going to be July-ish to make announcements and things like that. I've made the, the comment kind of in jest, but I, th- I think it's serious. If you think back to middle school, and we have those dances, and on one end of the room were all the guys, and on the other end of the girl were all the gals, and no one would interact until that one brave person crossed the room and there's usually the guy asking the girl to dance. We're all waiting to see who's going to cross the room first. Some theaters, you know, both the uh, Crichton and the Owen up here in Conroe have said, okay, you know, we're going to start back up pending any changes. Yeah. So we have we have that. Now, I want to start bringing Jay in the conversation. We've been oh, talking, but we've got Jay out here in the cold. Well, yeah. we, we, he's not the uh, a host of the show, so we have to have Oh, we have to have effort. our moment here? Yeah. Okay. Now he, that's he, he has his eyes on my job, though. I can tell. He's got that <laughs> lean, hungry look. <laughs> Well, we have Jay Stilberg in the studio. Dick and Jay, uh, I mean, that's just silly. <laughs> yeah. Skip Jay, uh, skip Jay and Dick. <laughs> that, that, oh, what was that That YouTube video? Oh, uh, Heat, Heat, Heat Ray and Jack or Heat Jack and Ray or something. It was a... Uh, no, you're just making stuff up. No, no, no. Ben Stiller put together this, this really funny fake pilot with Jack Black and Owen Wilson or uh, where... Jack Black is a former astronaut who's get uh, oh who's get irradiated. Oops. And well, now you're no longer like you know co-chair of this. I'm sorry with that mistake. And Owen, <laughs> I think it's called Heat Jack and Ray, and uh, it's like uh, Owen Wilson plays his motorcycle, who's who's his best friend morphs with the motorcycle. It's really silly. Uh, but yeah, Dick, Dick Jay and Skip just doesn't. Well, we have Jay Silberg in the studio who's running for Texas Senate District Four. If you want to know more info about Jay, I put it in the description of whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, so if you really like what Jay's saying, why don't you look at it and look him up and do all that kind of stuff? Uh, I, I call him uh, a foot soldier for the Constitution. And, no, I, was, I made that up. Uh, <laughs> I just like that. It's good. It's a foot soldier, right? <laughs> well, I'm waiting to see a hand soldier. Well, we're going to talk that. about all sorts of things today, and we love for you to uh, comment and uh, let us know what if we're being silly or whatever. We're totally ignorant of stuff. I love how we have fact checkers of of Dick and Skippy who listen. You betcha. So, I, 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 people like Brett just keep me so uh, on. He'll be on next Wednesday. I saw that. I'm so, so happy. We got about we that. got a slew of guests coming in. I've been working really hard uh, getting people in and communicating them. My main goal for June is to get people who are doing something in the community with COVID. So I'm trying to get some bankers in, getting some staffing agencies and things like that. So we're working on it to keep uh, 
keep an eyeball on our social media see who's coming in. But we have Jay Stilberg in the studio. Jay, how you doing, man? I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's a nice Friday. Uh, this week flew by. And it did. Every week is flying by. <laughs> yeah, that's you know. Well, there was a drag about three three weeks ago. It was like we'll never get out of. <laughs> well, that's just so funny. I was thinking about this, this the other month. day. Is I was like, I don't even remember when this thing started. Because with the lockdown and everything, I was like, is it already almost over? Like, I feel like it just happened. And uh, people are going, are out and about. People, I went to HEB yesterday, and it was full of people. And, you know, they're in, they're in that kind of stuff. So I think HEB has always been full. But the bowling alley had some good people in it, mm-hmm. good amount of people, especially with their spacing with the lanes. So it seemed fuller than it probably really was because everyone was spaced out. But, uh yeah, people were coming in. They had a huge group. I overheard there's about six of them saying, "Oh, we we made this plan in April, and you know everything was shut down. We were trying to get all our friends back together, and now we can." So, congrats to, to 300 Bull hosting people getting back together. Well, one of the uh, oh, I gotta say, an un- unintended byproduct of the lockdown, the continuing lockdown. This, I want to bring Jane this conversation. So, you know, I frequently go to Kroger for my mom to, mm-hmm. to shop for her, get the prescription and pick up some stuff. My mother's particular about what she eats. She's earned the right, and she's only like a boar's head, sweet sliced ham kind of kind of gal. So I, you know, and it's got to be cut this level, this many. Well, yesterday I was at Kroger and I was at the deli section. I'm like, I need eight slices of this. They're like, well, we're out of the boar's head, sweet sliced ham. I'm like, what? What about your name brand? No, we don't have that. Well, what about? This other ham, they said no, and then they the guy finally admitted he's like, we haven't gotten a delivery from Boar's Head in weeks because of the lockdown, and so there's literally no more ham for us to slice up. Oh, no one was hanging outside the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, and my an thought ice cream is, truck. You want some Boar's Head? There, you know, Boar's there head? are those who wish the lockdown to continue till there's 100 percent safety, which. I just can't see because that's going to be well into next year. You just can't guarantee that. But the whole, well, just give us kickback, not kickback money, what's the word I'm looking for? Stimulus Stimulus, money. um, And just let us stay at home for a little while longer. However, the the breakdown, it goes up. Now we're seeing a meat shortage. It's not like horrendous. You can get all the prepackaged stuff you want. It's not like the gas lines in the Carter Mm -hmm. administration. But how far-reaching is this? Because, I mean, it's a minor inconvenience, but it just really hit me is that Boar's Head, you know, a major meat mark. That's a brand. That's a big brand, so. Right. Is, you know, now can't deliver, hasn't been able to deliver because they can't go to work. As long as they're told you can't go into work, your state is on a lockdown. Yeah. Then the rest of the country sooner or later won't be able to eat if this continues. I'm not trying to be chicken little about this, but... Your thoughts, Jay? Well, I think that, uh, fortunately, I don't eat boar's head, I guess. <laughs> You're not a vegetarian, Sean? I mean, come on, get with the okay, time. You see these right here? These are meat-eating teeth. That means either God or nature wants, <laughs> wants me to eat meat. All right, whatever to convince well, you. Well, I think, you know, my, my experience, obviously, I, you know, I've been working at home now for whatever it's been, 12 weeks or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so I'm telling you, I have no idea. Um, like, I've... It was mid-February, because the, the, the first big thing was the, uh, 
we were in the middle of the rodeo, or it was yeah. just starting. There you go. That's a good yeah, starting I can, point. I, I can tell you I started working at home the week of uh, March 16th. Okay. Yeah, it was about a month for people to and, go, wait a second. And ironically, I remember it because the last time I was on yes. was March 16th. And I, was, I almost posted that graphic because I don't really pay attention. And to I was getting ready to head to the office, and uh, my boss said, well, if you don't need to come in, don't come in. And then, like, the next day or something, they put a policy out and said, you know, work from home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I have been ever since. Uh and obviously, I live with, you know, my grandmother lives with me, so she's 90 years old. So I, I, I've been very cautious and yes. aware of my surroundings because I don't want her to get sick. And uh, I'm very fortunate because she's healthy. She really doesn't have any pre uh, existing conditions. But uh, again, I, I, I really don't want to bring anything home mm-hmm. for her. So, you well, know, thanks been, for coming here. Well, it's, you know, for her, it's been, it's been fascinating because, you know, she, she didn't leave the house for like nine weeks or something. Um, and she was used to go in the grocery store yeah. and getting her hair done and all that stuff. And oh, the hair thing's a huge deal. And and so you know, I was doing the grocery shopping. I still am right now. Every Saturday, I go to the grocery store and I make the list. And and uh, you know, she's very finicky too. So you know, I usually lose when I pick something out for her. <laughs> so you're, you're like I don't that, deviate from the list in my house. You're like that. You're like that. Uh, the grocery delivery thing where it's like you select oh substitute. If available, and then she's mad. He's like, "This is the worst substitute. Oh, yeah, yeah. Why would she give this, this is, to me?" This is terrible, you know. So, I mean, she went to the store the first time. I think about two week and a half ago or something. She went and she got her own stuff, and she was happy with that. And I was like, "Well, that thank God because <laughs> I can't I can't win when I go." But um, but yeah, I see. You know, at the grocery store, I mean, there's a limit on the number of meat products you can buy. You know, you can buy two pork products and two chicken products. See, I never. Do you two, buy more than that though? No. That's what I have. <laughs> I tend to shop European style. I prefer to go to the grocery store too. We know you're special. We know. Well, no, instead of filling a, a, a shopping cart with yeah. a month's worth or two months worth well, of food. Well, I mean, because I always imagined my mother when I was being raised, uh, we she had six children. And I was like, I guess that's why they put that in, unless people are panic buying. But like, I, my mother always talked about when we, we went to the store, she had X amount of dollars. Mm-hmm. and But she, she had to make that good for six kids and two adults Mm -hmm. and she made it work but she also she's a really good cook she knows she's one of those cooks that you open the pantry and she goes i can do this Mm -hmm. like she knows it's really weird i guess she learned it over time where she just knows what ingredients go where yeah but you know some people don't have that kind of knowledge so it's like oh all i know is you know i have a crock pot and i put something in i got hamburger helper and i got a pound of any kind of meat i can make this last yeah so i guess that's where the those problems or people are faced when there's a shortage and things like that yeah because my point is i mean you you can always say no more than two bags of toilet paper or whatever you know i get that but this is a situation where i don't know where boar's head is based let's say i'm gonna say illinois just for the heck of it if that state is still under lockdown which means that they can't produce that then that's a significant meat industry that's about to go away well do you think uh in this is this particular case, do you think like HB has the upper hand because their big slogan is shop local or whatever? They they do the local produce, local, uh, you know, kill kill places where they kill all the animals and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So well, with Texas opening up the way it is, and this, and this, you think they have the upper hand on that? I think states that are opening up sooner are having an economic upper hand. Now, of course, the actual health <laughs> upper hand 
is yet to be determined. Okay. And that's the problem. You know, I was seeing memes the day after phase one of Texas opening up. People are like, oh, it just spiked today. That's proof positive. This oh, yeah, we idea. talked about that. But and it's a 5 is 15 day. State, do we know of a state out of the 50 that literally didn't do anything? Um, how about a country called Japan? Well, they did something. No, they didn't. There was not a single lockdown. Interesting. And they've already... You want, you want to turn down your phone, dude? Oh, is it? I can still, I can hear oh. something. Oh, there we go. Dude. Yeah. Sorry about that. Well, no, because I was, I, that's one thing we always kind of talk about with, mm-hmm. you know, Jay, I, I love the experiment of 50 states and like you, everyone kind of determines what they want to do and mm-hmm. figure it out. And I haven't really, you know, the middle states, I haven't really heard anything cr- like crazy, you know, like protests or anything like that. I haven't really read about like Wyoming in a while. And you know, Wyoming hasn't heard about Wyoming in a while. <laughs> I don't know, man. I watched Longmire and I really liked Wyoming. Like that, that made me want to go there. Okay, but uh, but a lot of people don't live there. I know that. I, I enjoy, like, I've enjoyed my time. I've been to Wyoming many times. Yeah, and like it's got me thinking about how they're I spent handling a week it. there one afternoon. I mean, how how those states are handling it, and then you have the high capacity states or population, and then it's like it's almost like ground zero for certain certain states, certain yeah. cities. And so like especially like New York, it's all we've been hearing about for the past mm. two months. And I haven't really heard anything about it recently just because of the riots that were going on for the past couple of days. And then uh, we'll, we'll kind of talk about that because I, w- I want to talk about social media today with you, Jay, because as a politician, I know that's going to become a big, uh, a big policy talking point or whatever for the next couple of years because of, you know, more things are going to be discovered, mm. new things are going to be implemented. But uh, but I think you know we're we're doing all right here here in Conroe, and I think Montgomery County's doing well. I so mean, I I think you know state by state it really depends on what kind of population you have, yeah. what kind of population density you have, uh, to to the types of policies that that seemed reasonable to put in place, right? So, I mean, the bottom line of it all is you know, and I I heard this earlier, and and I'll throw my two cents in is. You know, we the legitimacy of staying closed until it's quote unquote safe is is unrealistic in the United States of America. Uh, it truly is. Um, that's not the type of society we live in, and we we don't have the capacity to you know keep everybody in the house for you know six months or eight months or twelve months or whatever it is, right? So, so there has to be a give and take there, and and quite frankly, the give and take is we know that the the th- it's all about public perception, and it's all about how comfortable a consumer feels. I mean, that's that's in anything. Uh, how comfortable somebody is going to feel to go to the restaurant, or go to the church, or go to the grocery store, or whatever it is. Um, and and how do you build that? You know, to me, it's about how do you build that consumer confidence, if you will, so that people feel comfortable going and doing things. And part of that regiment is is a is a is a uh, testing policy that's put in place. So that's both testing for whether you're positive or negative, but that also, I think, goes into talking about antibody testing mm-hmm. because I think that gives you a truer picture of, of what the overall epidemic, if you will, looks like. Like possible epidemic almost. No, well, an antibody test says well, you had it you did, and you recovered from it. But you yeah. can get it again, right? Again, well, that's... Does anyone really know? Yeah, no, no, no. They don't really know. Yeah. I mean, there, there's nothing that's proven you have immunity if you've had it once that you, you know, won't get it again. There's nothing that's proven at this point in time that says, quite frankly, one way or the other, whether it can really happen. So could you? Sure. Could you not? Sure. We, we don't have enough data to really yeah. even come to that conclusion, right? 
but the but the reality is again consumer confidence, right? So, yes. So people are going to have consumer confidence, if you will, if I can use that term, mm-hmm. if you have a robust testing policy that does both of those things, and you know people actually practice and maintain some some of the guidelines that are that are out there, right? Social distancing. I mean, I mean, I wear a mask when I go out. I, I wear a mask when I go to the store. I mean, the only time I really don't wear a mask when I uh, go out of the house is if I go walk the dogs, we go walk the dogs every evening around the block and, and we don't wear a mask when we go do that, but we're not around anybody when we're doing it and we're outside. But if I go to the, certainly if I go to the store, I wear it and I don't have a problem wearing it. I don't think it's a big deal. Um, and, and quite frankly, again, I have a 90 year old grandmother that lives with me. So I, I'm very cautious about who I'm with, who I'm around. I wash my hands all the time. I've always done that anyway, but uh, so, so I'm just conscious about those things. But, but I think those types of policies and having a, you know, a, a robust testing policy and tracing policy, so if somebody does get sick, they do some contact tracing so they can understand where it goes. And, and if those people that may have come in contact, they, they have to do some isolation or whatever it is. That's what gives consumer confidence, right? So, so when I look around and see, I mean, the truth is when states started opening up, there wasn't one state that met the guidelines that the White House had put out about the guidelines to go into phase one. Not one state that opened met those guidelines. Even Wyoming? None of them. Not one. Well, so, 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 so the truth of it is they put out guidelines, but no one followed them anyway. Well, yeah. I mean, I, so, I think there's an underlying, da- there's underlying data to it where we aren't privy to about how states operate. And the emergency, I, I feel like my conspiracy theory is that each state was facing some type of critical situation where they didn't really tell anybody, but it's like we have to do something mm-hmm. because we can't just sit here. We have to get the ball rolling for certain industries because either like the income tax or state tax, you know, all those kind of things just stopped, stopped. Mm-hmm. Like right now, for example, we're uh, trying to become a nonprofit. Well, the IRS took all their phone, uh, all their phone numbers down. They say, don't call us. <laughs> Like, that's literally what their website says. And I was like, man, that's pretty hardcore. You can't just send, like, an email or, you know, all communication <laughs> to the IRS, no more. You're like Unless it's, like, a certain information that you're requiring. But mm. And that, to me, like, well, when are we going to get back to that? And that's one thing I, I was wondering, like you said, you, you states are, you know, opening up regardless of what the country is saying. And I think it's probably because there was some critical thing going on that they needed to do something. Well, and I think, again, that... Um, over time, I think we'll see that, um, you know, states will implement better testing programs mm-hmm. and the numbers of testing versus populations will go up on, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying well, you have to test everybody because that's kind of impractical well, at this point in time, but you certainly have to have a decent percentage, you know, it's just like doing polling, right? If you don't do a decent percentage of people, the polling doesn't really mean anything. It's well, the same with the thing testing, with this. I, that's one thing I never fully understood is the, when the people are saying lack of testing, is that because of the cost or is that because of the test is so unique to just COVID? You couldn't do another type of test that kind of blanket tests everything. And because from what I understand, it was a lot like, of it's the sheer, vol- uh, sheer volume. No one expects a pandemic. And you, you can like say, well, there should have been tests. Well, was, was the t- is this test specific to COVID? Yes. yes. So it won't test. It didn't have anything else on it. Right. Correct. So, so you, you couldn't have, that, have in stockpile yeah, yeah, beforehand. Issue, and even yeah. if you could, they have expiration dates. You can't have 500 million or 30 million tests on standby in case there's been because even you know the normal everyday flu you can't tell what strain it is every time you get the flu vaccination it's a hope that that's the strain that year yeah i always like that uh, that logic about getting your flu shot and it's 
but the, it's never like a hundred like yeah it's this is what we think the strand's gonna be like oh okay cool so there's some wizard up in the tower going all right this is what we're not wizard but you know by the way that tapping here if it's coming through they're still replacing the oh, yeah. wall behind us well one thing i hope we learn from this scenario is we adapt our lifestyle to be similar to like in japan like if you are feeling ill there are there's logical steps to preventing from getting other people yeah, sick. Yeah, they wore masks there and when I was a kid in the 70s. It was I think a that, tough thing. Yeah, and I think hopefully no that goes through. And I hope it kind of reverses what we're doing now where everyone's wearing masks. It kind of reverses, like, if you feel ill, you wear a mask, you stay home. And it doesn't even have to necessarily mean, like, you think you have COVID. It's more of, like, if you're sick, mm-hmm. we know that it transfers really easily. And we learned that crash course learning that in the past, you know, couple months. And but I going that, back to guidelines, Dick, i got to say that you know, first off, a guideline is not a law. It's a guideline. Yeah. So uh, that that's one thing. Um, so to have different states not follow the guidelines as they open up, it's not like they broke the law. But y- there's a reason to follow a guideline. But hand-in-hand hand with that is whose guideline do we follow? I know today, right now, the WHO's guidelines on when to wear a face mask contradicts the CDC's guidelines. It's I remember... Last week, CDC suddenly said, oh, it doesn't, the virus doesn't stay on surfaces nearly as long as we thought, so you can touch surfaces. And then four days later, they said, oh, we're retracting that. You know, this literally changes on a day-by-day, day, not hour-by-hour hour basis. Mean, I don't know anyone that's paying attention day-to-day to the CDC. I think now the general but information these are the ones now, saying, just wear a mask, be ca- like, you know, hand sanitizer, be be aware of your surroundings. But there was a point where doing. the CDC said, don't use hand sanitizer. Because it kills the good bacteria too. This is you know hand sanitizer well, tends to be antibacterial hand sanitizer. All right, we don't have that here. All right, but people didn't know they would go out and what do they buy? They buy the antibacterial. Uh, so that yeah. stuff's still out at the grocery stores. The antibacterial stuff, they don't know the difference. That's what should, you know. That that's what needs to go out there. Going, there's a difference between a virus and bacterium. I that's feel like you're. you're I feel people. like you're telling we should buy an island, <laughs> and we should just live on that. And just not worry about Skippy's it. Skippy's you know love. I'm working yeah. on it. <laughs> well, and again, like I said, that's what I hope, one thing I hope we all learn from that's this scenario is how we can, you know, be aware of what's how diseases and things really work. And especially with the the people who are more open to receiving like diseases and things that we take better care of that. Because like one of the things I don't know if it's like a conspiracy or whatever, but a lot of people I think Brett just mentioned it on our Facebook about the certain states that logically put. COVID patients in nursing homes? New York. Sorry. Is sense. that, I mean, like, I don't feel like that's, that's like a blanket statement. Is there some type of reasoning behind that? Or is it more of, we didn't want to. early ha- days, no one knew. Yeah. So there anything. you go. That's what I was wondering. Cause it's like, I don't feel like that decision would be made just because, oh, we don't know what to do with people. Put them in the well, nursing home. Well, that, home. well, no, that being I said, that, that was the hospitals releasing elderly patients, nursing homes had to take them in. Yeah. That they had to go was somewhere. gubernatorial executive yeah. order. I think you, even though we didn't know what was going on, you want to err on the side of caution. And, yeah. and even on a good day, someone with a compromised immune system or an elderly person is more susceptible to anything. So I personally, without the at the risk of sounding like an armchair quarterback, would not have supported that move, even not knowing, well, well there's no evidence that it's going to kill old people. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think what the fishy thing with all that kind of stuff was, you know, certain bigger cities were doing the – the pop-up camps and things like that for, I don't know, Houston had one over NRG. Yeah, you can't. Like, those were those, was that even used? I just remember them talking about it. Well, here's the thing. Was that hospital? Even, yeah, they they did a pop-up deal. I remember that was Yeah, being, was, yeah we had the, uh, the Frontline Center. Here's the thing. I'd rather 
throw up a field hospital and not need it. No, I'm not. I'm asking, was it even used? No. No. Nor was the, now. Why the, not? Because there weren't enough people. The, the whole purpose of like the, the hospital ship that was anchored in New York and didn't get used except for the 100 people who accidentally got on board. Yeah, that happens the all the time. No, no, no. On the first day. Uh, you're like, you're telling, I imagine some dude with a clipboard going, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, I checked the wrong that, box. It's exactly they, what that's happened. That's not what happened. It was an 1,100 bed ship, and the day one it moored in, 100 positive COVID patients got moved into it when they shouldn't have. They were supposed to go somewhere else. That was the only people that went on board this ship. Now, that what's, was an what's issue. What's going on with the Navy, Jay? Why aren't they knowing what's going on a ship? Dude, like, that was the I, merchant I'm marines. Just kidding. I have no idea. Uh, what, oh, no, that kind of stuff was kind of, when I read they were doing it, I was like, oh, cool, they, they actually have a place. That's where we could have people. And But, like, then I never heard anything of it well, ever here, again. At the beginning, Quam was like, we need the ship now because there's, I think it was North Carolina saying, we need the ship, and Cuomo was saying, no, we need it in New York yeah, because we have more I love people. love that kind of stuff. And so it be, you know, became a headline thing, became – I can't blame New York for wanting to have that big ship because we didn't know. We didn't know if it was going to fill up or not. So it's easy to look back now and say, well, that never got used. Those tents never got used. That ship never got used. Uh, I'd I, like to – I just don't see why you wouldn't here, use but it if you got it. The, there was no need for it. The hospitals weren't overrun. The fear was that the hospitals would be overrun. You can still use it for other things, though. It's well, there, love boat. Right? well, and the whole purpose of it going there to begin with was not to treat COVID patients. It was to treat non-COVID right, patients. Which is why the, the hundred people that ever got on board the ship were COVID positive. Yeah. And they're like, oh, nope, sorry, you're supposed to get off. And Well, I mean, I, I, just, I think if you built there it. Was a, the other ship went to California, right? So, yeah. there's, so the Phil's there's, Dreams there's logic didn't, didn't happen, if did you, it? If you moor it, they will come. If you build it, yeah, I, I guess it didn't happen. But, <laughs> you know, uh, moving on, I, like I said, I want to talk about social media and Twitter and especially with communications between states and trying to figure this out there there's the biggest thing going on right now from what I understand it's uh the the tragedy of the riots is in Minneapolis it's it's in is it in the town is that yeah, the, Minneapolis, yeah, it's, in, it's in I the mean, town that's the epicenter now of course yeah because that sounds pretty big so from what I understand the home of Prince and they're they're rioting they're bur- I've seen some videos it's pretty extreme like I saw a burned down target uh, first person view walking through the target and I was like man that's crazy yeah, auto zone and well target's huge man. yeah but I mean there's and, a imagine going out. To tar- it's like apocalyptic mm-hmm. like, if you're if you're but at least they have the decency to clear it out first well that's true before they before they burn it it's not like they burned down the inventory they looted all the inventory first so it's well, forgivable you, I always say this I, I the, the situation that was sarcasm well that's why I love the internet is you're able to film this stuff and post it so I was able to find multiple videos of things going on there but it wasn't through the normal social media platforms it was more forums of people posting their own videos where they probably get banned later you know after the fact checkers or whatever you want to call because I know Facebook's pretty they did a blanket block for like four hours of Facebook live in that area which that's how they that's how social media can do that. They can just say, "Hey, in this proximity, no one can access this feature on you know, on Facebook." And I I was thinking, you know, especially with Donald Trump, that's what his his rhetoric these days are about Twitter and you know putting those kind of things. Like this morning, I was telling you, he did a tweet, and the Twitter thought it incited violence, so they put a little thing on it saying, "You can't see this. If you want to see this, you can click here." Mm-hmm. And I, and I was thinking. Is this are these those examples something that scare you as a politician or as a person who tries to, you know, change the social norms? 
because information should be available to folks. But I, I can see certain speech being banned from a private company because, you know, Twitter and them are mm-hmm. public traded, I think. But, like, there's still a company that can kind of do its own rules. But I also can see it scary, kind of like what they did. I believe it was in Egypt when Twitter and everybody, like, blocked. Like, the government goes, you can't use these things because we don't want people seeing what's going on. And I and, I, and that, to me, is the scariest part. Mm-hmm. But then I also think there's other means of communication. It's just slower to get out because yeah. you can still v- record on your phone and keep that phone on you. And sure. then two months later, call CBS or something. Like, <laughs> look what I got. And I, do you think that's what the, one of the issues we're facing today is that we're so used to be instantly sent information within seconds. And so we think every type of information should be sent instantly. Does that make sense to you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean if I go back to my childhood, right, we, yeah. we didn't have uh, cell phones. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we got our information from, you know, the, the network evening news, if it was news information we wanted to get. Um, you know, we went out and played and rode our bikes and jumped on, you know, makeshift ramps and jumped over our friends who were laying on the ground in front of them. That's a smart thing Um, to do. You know, and we all survived. Uh, But yeah, I mean, today's day and age, people have the expectation that they get information instantaneously. Yeah. And, you know, we obviously have seen a lot more uh, sensitivity to certain issues. Uh, I guess that's the nicest way I can put it. Um, Because of the instantaneous access to information mm-hmm. that that we didn't have before. It's not that those things didn't exist before, but now with instantaneous access to information, um, people expect it today. And, you know, the difficulty with, I mean, I, I don't ever get nervous or anything about, I mean, I post some controversial stuff on on, on my social media sites and, and I, I, I boost some of that information because I'm kind of curious to see what the feedback is if I boost it to an audience that, that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I get some, I'll say, interesting comments on yeah, some Yeah, well, of I mean, stuff. it's not... But, I mean, for me, it's, it's... it's. Well, to give you an example that recently what's been happening with YouTube and other uh, other social media, big, big social media, is they kind of have their own guidelines of what we're allowed to talk about when it comes to COVID. Now, like, if I was a, a wacko doctor and I went on my YouTube channel saying, like, take these essential oils you know, X, Y, Z, this is going to cure your Corona. Those people get instantly banned. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when I was, those are the extremes I'm talking about. And I know when you have, I, I've seen your videos. I, to me, that's not controversial, really. I mean, you're it just, you're, be. you're discussing it stuff. Be. <laughs> but the, what I'm talking about are those extreme things where, you know, people are going on there doing the Alex Jones kind of thing. And then these social media companies are like, you know what, we, we can't have anything going against CDC guidelines or WHO guidelines. You cannot be on. You cannot do it. We'll demonetize it. We'll we'll remove you and things like that. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm kind of seeing where things are going because, like you said, certain issues, sensitive issues, are getting more and more sensitive. And it's going to become an issue further down the line when those issues become our primary issue. Yeah. And I don't see how social media can really stay out of the fight without having some type of, Either they're going to lose customers, like the capitalistic way, like they're going to lose their customers, so their mm-hmm. their value and everything's going to go away. But I also don't see them being the primary way we communicate. Someone's always going to come up with a better platform because how cheap it is to start. Like I remember when I started this radio station, it really wasn't that much money. 
And podcasts are very influential today because you, it's so easy to get. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and everyone has a phone. Everyone has that almost. Like, I would say a good percentage of people do. Mm-hmm. But that, that to me, though, going forward with Twitter, especially blocking Trump, that's so weird to me because he's the president of the United States and some company deems it, you know, inappropriate to be posting that kind of stuff. But they also do say, since we feel this is important, we'll still leave it up. Sure. And, but some people outright get banned. Like, they get their stuff deleted. Yeah. Uh, and you as a, like, you going forward because you're running for a position coming up in November, right? That's when the mm-hmm. election is for you. Do you see the bigger the role you're going you're going after, you, be, social media is going to be more of a problem? Well, I you know, the, the reality of social media, I think, is, is here's the challenge, right? I mean, social media is not a news organization, right? I mean, anyone, you can, anyone can sign up for Facebook yeah. or Twitter. You just have to fill out the little thing, and then you set up your account, and you can go say what you want to. Yeah. Right? Within, you know, some rules, I guess, that, that they've set up, right? So... Um, and fact-checking and, and whatever it is. Well, I'll but the, but the bottom line is is that there's this First Amendment thing that says, you know, you have freedom of speech and, mm-hmm. and you can say what you want to within reason, right? I mean, there are rules on freedom of speech. Yep. Uh, you can't it, yell fire in a crowded theater. You know, so... Is that about it? Well, well no, <laughs> but, but I mean, if you're going to have... What's the big no-no? Because I know there's argument, argument of no-nos. Like, I can't slander you outright, but... That takes a long time for you to sue me okay. and stuff. But I'm saying, like, the fire thing I get, because that's immediate, puts people in danger, and that's okay, really you, the reasoning. What else is there? You can't threaten the life... Of a person? Of, especially an elected official. Okay. Um, why are they more important? Well, same reason why... I'm sure this will open up a side well, conversation. What, like, why killing a cop is a capital offense, and because a, that takes it to the next level. So if an elected to say I'm going to assassinate an elected official somehow makes it more than I'm going to kill my next door neighbor. I mean, I don't know. They seem the same to me. <laughs> oh, as do I. And that opens up the whole <clears throat> Pandora's box on uh, hate crime legislation. Yeah. You, you know, and I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but there's something to be said on both sides of that, where why is one death more, you know, a hate crime and the other one isn't, why, you know, there's, to the parent of the person dead, and I don't want to. Let's get off that topic. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. So we'll get off social media. We'll get banned. <laughs> so, so the bottom line is the challenge becomes how, how do you how do you navigate through the First Amendment and the fact that social media platforms are not a news organization, mm-hmm. and, and how do you navigate that with rules? Um, because if any rules are put in place for social media, it they should not be rules that are put in place by the platform itself. They should be put in place by federal laws that are across the board for um, a platform and and what they can and can't do. Um, And we've seen for years that that, that, that's not happened, right? Because how do you navigate around that? It's, It's not that it can't be done, I'm sure. It's just well, I don't you, think anyone's taken a vested interest because it's not been high enough on the priority list. To, well, you said news organ is not a news organization. Does that mean news organizations have? Well, we keep using the word platform, and this is I want to cut in with this with a kind of an ABC of the situation. There's a difference, legal difference, between a platform and a publisher. Okay. It's what separates a newscast 
from a talk show. Now, is this a legality yes. thing where I can sue you kind yes. of thing? Yes. So you got to be liability what you As saying? a platform, you enjoy liability protections. I can't sue the news because I don't like what I see on it. Yeah. Someone shows But if you're that Covington kid, that's when you can sue them? Do what? If you're that Covington No, because... Student? Well, that, that's why it opened up the whole category of... The news showed non-news. It showed false narrative, knowing it was okay. they, they didn't have the whole story. I'm saying you have liability protection, meaning you can't be sued. But I'm saying they can't show Channel 13 can't show a car accident, and I can't. They can do that, and I can't sue them for mental anguish because I'm PTSDing over it. Well, that's that's liability protection of a platform. A publisher, for instance. That's why when you have a radio station that says we are news and talk, that you can't say we're news radio because that means, let's say, uh, KTRH, yeah, news, 740 a.m. Yeah. in the morning they do the news, then they'll put on Rush I'll Limbaugh. I'll just say we're propaganda, that's all, and that covers all our bases, right? Well, then, you know, at 11 o'clock they put on Hannity or Limbaugh or yeah. whomever. It's no longer news. It's now a publisher. It's not a platform. Yeah, okay. I'm understanding. Twitter that. has been identifying as a platform. YouTube, the same thing. But they're playing just, by their own rules. Well, yeah, as they censor more and more, they're acting like a publisher where they no longer enjoy, according to Section 230 of the oh, uh, Communications okay. Decency Act, you can't have it both ways. If you're a platform like a news outlet, then you can't start censoring or showing one side of it to, or, or well, refusing to show I the mean, other the only thing I can think But a publisher, you can. For Twitter and social media, would would, would be a better communication to its users is... Yes, they talk to you as a publisher, Brett. I'm sorry. That's what I'm saying. Is They, they release these things, they, they release their rules in a understandable way. Because I think that's the biggest fear when it comes to these platforms. They can make that decision within a second and nobody knows about it. So, like, say, you know, the, the word star, it becomes an offensive thing. And then for some reason, kind of like that Pepe the Frog. He became an offensive symbol. People believe it's a racist symbol now, and which symbols can be turned. You know, they can be turned into different things. So the platform the next day goes, no more of this. And no one really knows until, you know, a week later, like, oh, why did I my tweets get deleted? What's going on? And we have no communication from these overlords that are, like, telling us this was a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's one it's, of the biggest It's open issues. and mutable. For instance, a platform as well within its right to refuse to allow the Nazi flag or swastika yeah. to be displayed. Yeah, in the sense of promoting... Oh, well, see, this is where you get a gray it, area. I was doing it in a Hindu sense, all right? Yeah, but see, this is where you get Not a gray area. Nazi Germany. For instance, I remember the early days of the Internet when they would have, like, okay, even before Google, we have a filter that says you can't use certain words, you know, safe filter. Breast was one of them. All of a sudden, it'll disallow you to get results for breast cancer test or something mm-hmm. like that so you can be in your rights as a platform to disallow certain things that would incite violence or promote violence or rape or, mm-hmm. or, or crime you know you can do that but you have to be able to justify it and you can't be selective with it so nothing's going to happen to these people do you think jay to, to who? To the social media companies. Well, what's supposed to happen to them? Politically or policy-wise? Do you think anything's really going to happen they, to them? Either they remember this. The well, tipping point came. The executive order came after Twitter flagged something. As the fact checker said, "Oh no, this is false," but it turned out to be true. 
It was a false fact check. I think I, I personally think the bigger issue, in in my opinion, with social media is that uh, I don't think it's, in my opinion, it's not an issue with social media. I mean, because people can go publish on social media whatever they want to, mm -hmm. right? They can make a list of facts that are completely false and throw it out there. Yeah. The bigger issue I see with social media is that there are a lot of people in this world that when they read it on Facebook, it's true. Yeah. They don't, oh, totally. they don't go look at independent sources. They don't go outside of what that well, post says. Especially when people create right? images. Like I remember that I saw the, the school, Texas school guidelines or whatever for the you know, coming up year. I was like, you know how easy that image is to copy and then take out some of the things and put in like extreme deals and then send it on the internet and people think it looks the same. Sure. And yeah, you're totally right about that because especially with today's... And that's where legally falls in the guidelines... However, the, the protection is as a platform, Twitter can't be sued for someone else posting that. But, but if I'm Twitter right now, like what could you do if say like, oh, the, the government says you're a publisher now, you gotta, you're open to liabilities, and so you're as a company, what do you, I mean, I really don't know how Twitter can be like, okay, we'll hire more fact checkers. Well, it's not the number. I mean, look at the official Twitter fact checker. Google this person. And, and look at their... Well, I know that's always a controversy who's on the, the well, actual person, but there's also AI involved where you could, you know, do I that. mean, if, if a rule like that went into place, I mean, my, my question would be, uh, I don't think you can have a platform that somebody can set up an account and just post whatever they want to and have, a, have those rules mm -hmm. in place. That's not how it works. I mean, it wouldn't work, right? Because somebody would have to actually review every post from every single person before it ever got published in order for it to really meet guidelines like yeah. that, right? So, so again, to me, um, you know, what, what's more important to me is that the general public understands that just because you read something in a post on Facebook or Twitter or whatever platform it is, that that doesn't mean it's true. Well, it's also that unique time when and, this is being used. It's the and, transition to it. And that's part of the problem is that people don't, go do their own research. Well, I think that will be right? fixed as time goes by. Because if you think about when people say, oh, back in my day, we didn't even have, you know, telephone. And then look at where the telephone is today. And I think that's probably the unique scenario we're in today. Like you said, that's the problem. But I also think people who are susceptible to that are unfortunately those people who I, I don't really understand the technology yet. And they treat it as like if they're reading the newspaper and things like that. Uh, no, I think that's true in some cases, and I think I, I think what also influences whether somebody believes it or not is by who posted it. True, I mean, and, and, and there's more accountability for especially news organizations and people who you follow. I mean, the YouTube world is so big, and I think a lot of people who read the news don't know how big those influencers are. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there, you got millions. It's always funny to me where you go to YouTube because to me, the idea of YouTube is the future of where people are going to consume video like live, like unique content and things like that. Mm -hmm. It's so funny to go to like the Jimmy Fallon YouTube page, see his subscribers, and then you go to like some other kid who reviews toys and his subscriber base is like 50-fold more than Jimmy Fallon. And I'm mm -hmm. like, so who are these people watching this stuff? And then are they being influenced? You know, they clearly don't care about what Jimmy Fallon's doing or most people on the internet don't. But those, I think that's the future of the influencers, the people who you say, like, who are sending out this content. 
and luckily for us, we got the first wave of you know the Alex Jones and the crazy folks who we we tested him where they banned him completely, but he's still not he's still doing his craziness. But I that you know what I'm, you know I'm talking about with the influencers. So you just ban them, you can sue them. You think Twitter is going to be like you know what each if you sign up. You're accountable for your what you say. So well, let's go back to the Alex Jones thing. Okay, if you, you get a blue perm- check, if you, you get a blue check, you're going to be accountable for what you say. Alex Jones is permanently banned from Twitter. Yeah, I think so. He's probably banned from like states. For so. did he break the law? I think what he got in trouble for originally was he talked about the Sandy Hook being a hoax, and somehow through his preaching of that is his followers got the names of the crisis actors, I put quotes up, and they're harassing the parents of the victims. Was that against the law? I mean, I think it's more of just a safe move just to ban them because that... Did he say go to these people's houses and shoot them? I don't think so. I wouldn't put it it past Then at that moment, Twitter was no longer a platform. It was a publisher. You think so? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't... This is the Wild West to me, and... I, I just don't see like that. You're you're right about that, Jay. The, your biggest fear is the right fear is those people who are posting it. Who are these people? Because that goes into the whole Russian hoax and bots and that stuff's real and they can push well, narratives. I Jay mean, raised I, a good point. I mean, I remember when what's his name the uh, the Daily Show John John Stewart mm-hmm. that there was a poll that went out that said that like eighty percent of the people that watched the Daily Show thought it was real news, mm-hmm. and John Stewart actually had to go on the air to say we're this is fake we're we're making fun of stuff but people just i'll say it idiotic enough yeah we should have, we should uneducated have enough to tune in yeah. to 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 watch the daily show where there's laughter and a laugh track and and obvious uh satire going on and think it's the real thing and then it goes on to, to facebook or twitter you know you got the babylon b you got the onion you got these mm-hmm. satire sites that do they need to say, hey, we're a satire site, or do you hope that someone is of the mindset? Now, this is one thing I talked about my wife the other day. America, by, ne- by necessity, has to cater to the lowest common intellectual denominator mm-hmm. because of all men are created equal, meaning we can't assume that someone's got a certain amount of education or breeding or, or sorry, not, not breeding. I like where you're going with Not this. genetic like breeding. This. Let's keep talking about the selective breeding. Let's, let's go. Yeah, not, that's why I stopped saying breeding. Not genetic <laughs> breeding. I'm talking, you know, the I, I drink tea with my pinky in the air yeah. kind of thing. Uh, we can't assume that. We have to assume. Remember, every warning label in the universe mm-hmm. is based on a lawsuit because I'm said, I was pregnant. I didn't know I couldn't drink a fifth of vodka every day. And yeah, and I put the southern accent in there on purpose because that's what we do. Yeah, you're breeding. You're talking about breeding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, you know, and I'm glad I'm glad we talked about that, Jake, because that was one thing I was because you as a politician, you use social media to push policies, to push ideas, to start a conversation. And I think there's there's definitely methods of using social media that are are a positive thing. Yeah. And I I think really what it kind of goes across the board is accountability just doesn't seem to be happening in today's world. And on, on all spectrums of life, like yep. it's just really strange how, you know, no one really understands how the court system works. Like, for example, the Minneapolis deal, like I was reading why, you know, uh, police, police procedures of arresting police officers is different than like if you and I murdered somebody. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting to see the steps that are like the, the way they can secure a case and things are completely different than 
me going out and that's why the first thing you do yeah. you fire them it's a lot more difficult to bring charges against a serving police officer than a former police officer well i read the opposite <coughs> because if they, if they i was reading that if they were still employed they can be given orders to do interviews and they they have certain guidelines of procedures that they're, they're required by job to do it and when they fire them they're no longer held held under those standards they still they're so, still held under the uh, oath of of you know taking the oath in court, but yeah, well, they haven't gotten to that point yet. So they haven't even been arrested. Yeah, and I'm, so. I'm, I could probably get fact checked on this, but I think at this moment they no longer have police union protection representation. Yeah, I I mean that's I think it's just depends again accountability. When do we actually see results from yeah. actions, behaviors of people like this, especially like cause especially in Minneapolis? To me, it's. It's you have this technology of all these people filming and all this craziness going on, but it, I wasn't around for the L.A. riots. But did, did anybody do any cases that our individuals were arrested or you know were were held accountable for the behavior of that, especially in the police force and vice versa, like mm-hmm. the people going in and looting? Because I don't think the protesters were that was their idea that morning. Is just to you know let's just wreck havoc on stuff. <laughs> But we also know the mob mentality can be strong. Well, then, this is also yeah. a perfect storm of, 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 a, of a, I'm going to mix my metaphors here, of a powder keg. I mean, we're coming off of a months-long You think so? You think that's lockdown. part of it? I'm going to hold on. Because people In are, the sense that we have it relatively easy here. We're in somewhat happy and stable relationships, and we have enough money to keep surviving. So we're very fortunate to think about those or in a bad situations, abusive situations, drug situations, poverty situations, and being told you have to stay in the same room 24-7, stay in the same house. Yeah. You know, there is a powder keg. There, 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 there's just, it's growing. I've never been one for for rioting or, or looting, particularly looting. I'm, I'm a big fan of looters shot on site. That's just my personal take on it, which may or may not necessarily reflect the views of Lone Star Community Radio. That's what separates platform <laughs> from publisher. Well, I think that's the chaos that comes with a riot because you don't know really what's going but on. But you got to throw comments. There are no rules, and you're sitting there like, because you look at Target, and clearly the police were like, "Yeah, whatever, y'all you do gotta, whatever." You got to well, in there, yeah, but they burn it down. But like with the pot shop owner, let's I arrest saw, a news crew. That's the thing. It's, you got to throw common sense and logic out the window. They let Target get blown down, but there's a news crew that didn't move fast enough, so they got arrested on the air. Bad calls all around. One issue on this is. And again, I was talking with with Mrs. Gibby about this yesterday. I don't condone it by any sense of the imagination. I don't even fully understand it. But on a gut level, I get this rage that's flashing out because there's no one person to blame. You can blame the cop. Fine. But he'd had previous uh, knocks against him. Where would the supervisors see? So you, it's not just the cop. It's why was he allowed to still be on the force? Who's responsible for that? There's no uh-huh. one person you can point the finger at and say, this person is responsible. Go after this person. And so when you have no one in particular to blame, everyone, just it goes directed outwards. And that's where you throw Molotov cocktails into an auto zone, which makes no sense. I mean, the people who are – that's why I hate looting and writing like that because these are the people that are suffering – a low-income housing project that was almost completed got burned down. It was going to house hundreds of families for next to nothing. It was going to help the neighborhood. Well, like you said, it goes, that goes out the window. It it's is, like, yeah, it's out the window, but 
Yeah. You wish they were more right. organized with their attacks? Sure. Is that what you're hoping? I'm all, I'm all for peace That's what protest. social media is for, folks. Well. I'm all, I'm all for protest. I'm all for peaceful protest. I'm all for in-your-face protest. Because um, I know Houston used to have a lot of protests, right? Like in the 80s. They still do. Well, I meant like there's, violent. There's, like they were, I remember one point, because my uncle was telling me, he was, he was a SWAT officer, I believe, at the time. And he was telling me like the different police chiefs handle those kind of scenarios differently. And it's just kind of one of those things where that's where I was kind of shocked with Minneapolis. You see the videos, like where are the fire and police? Like they're nowhere. And that conversation had to be held on the radio or something saying, don't go anywhere. Like don't go there. Let it happen. And I don't know if that's a good move or not. I'm not really sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's probably a social uh, science person who, who knows how riots, how long they last, what's, What's the mentality? They got a 19-hour span. Anything goes for 19 hours on average, and then it well, just dies out. Was it Baltimore out. a couple of years ago where the Baltimore mayor said, told the cops, just let them riot? I believe that. I'll look that one up. Or, or fact checker Brett, Brett is probably already on it. But I'm pretty sure it's Baltimore where the mayor said, told the cops, you're just let, let, it get it, let them basically get it out of their system. Well, I think that so, so to round out a few conversations. Yeah, we're having fun. We're yeah, we're all over the map that we've gone to here. To round out my conversation about you know social media and what gets posted. I mean, yeah. for for me personally, you know, I I don't instantaneously react to something I see and repost it and mm-hmm. write something with it. Right? If I see something and I go, oh, then I go start looking it up. In in all kinds of Who's different got platforms. Time for that, though, Jay? Well, Jay and I do. I wish most people did because it yeah. doesn't really take that long. Um, and then if I find something that you know is an interesting topic, one way or another, and it's and it's factual, it's got facts behind it, then then I'll post something about it, right? So you know, I posted things about when you know the the captain of the. Uh, Roosevelt got fired for the whole coronavirus thing. I posted a lot of stuff about that because I, I thought there was a disservice done there, and I still feel that. Well, see, so you're also frankly. you're a politician running for a seat, and to me, that kind of communication is needed. As me is like, I'm on social media, and I'm like, I expect you to say something. <laughs> right. But then when you get people riled up, or your friends, like people are like, oh, I'm never gonna like these people who voted for Trump or wear a mask or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's just funny to me. That when when social media first hit everybody, it's like we have to have everybody on our social media. I have to follow everybody. I have to yeah. accept. And it's just like you said, you you the viewers publishing this stuff, and then who's getting riled up? And then you're looking at to me, a lot of people who get riled up are the kind of the people who pay attention to everybody. And I'm like, everyone's going to have a different point of view at one point, like totally different from yours. Yeah, and and absolutely right. And 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 when it comes to the rioting stuff we're talking about, I mean, if you if you look at the context of, I mean, I, I certainly don't condone looting and, and rioting. I mean, there's there's I understand peaceful protests and and I understand people's, you know, tempers can flare. And mm-hmm. I, I get things like that. Well, especially but, if it's directed to like a police department. You know, I certainly that's the scary part. I I certainly don't don't get you know burning down the target and the whatever. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to yeah. me. But again, the mob mentality unfortunately takes over, right? Um, so so I don't condone those things. But I'll have to I'll have to tell you, you know, and you I do t- condone it. Are you done? What's the what's the right way? Condoning means you approve. Okay. Condoning means you approve, okay. which means I don't approve of All people right, going you. and looting, <laughs> looting and rioting. Uh, but I do condone peaceful protests. Yeah. Um, because I think that's important. And, and unfortunately, a peaceful protest 
because of the mob mentality, can turn into a riot and looting, and it's 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 unfortunate that that happens because it's some I'll call it bad apples that start in, inciting instigators. Yes, paid and, they're paid totally. You know those so, people. And so, but the, the topic in general of what we're talking about of of why this is happening, right? I mean, this is another specific case. I mean, I mean it was pretty clear in the video. The you know this wasn't a case where a police officer made an instantaneous decision and it, and it resulted in a death. Yeah, yeah and I don't want people to get me wrong in this. I absolutely agree because with that. Because of a split-second decision. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who kept his knee on the neck of somebody for close to 10 minutes when he was t- begging him that he couldn't breathe and did nothing to change the s- situation oh, yeah. and had three cops around him that didn't didn't do anything either, right? So so it's, in my opinion, it's very clear um, what goes on there. But, you know, the unfortunate part of the whole situation, in my opinion is that it's not that there aren't thousands and hundreds of thousands of interactions between people and police officers every day that that we that we're here Mm -hmm. and and most of those situations don't result in anything that's newsworthy but unfortunately we find that uh there are certainly certain circumstances where things do get into the media especially in the day and age of these things where that's how they all get in the media, right? Because people record them. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing that uh, astounds me and, and really irritates me <laughs> for the best way I can put it is that uh, in this country, and, and people can disagree with me if they want to, but in this country, most people are prejudged by just what they look like, mm-hmm. right? And, 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 and it's the color of their skin. It's, uniform it's a uniform it's whatever it is color of the eyes right and and so you put two people of different colors in a exact same situation and play it out and see what happens more likely than not there's they don't go the same way Mm -hmm. right and I can understand the irritation and, and, the, and, the, and the maddening for, for so many folks, especially people of color, that have to deal with that. Um, because I don't, right? I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm about as white as white can get, and, and I don't have to deal with that when I leave my house. Uh, but there's a lot of people, and I certainly have a lot of friends, that, that do have to deal with that when they leave their house. And it's unfortunate that we see more and more of that. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen to white people, too, because we know it does. Um, but not in the same way and not in the same numbers. And, and that's the unfortunate part because you, you talked about accountability. And when we see issues like this happen, you know, I, I tell people all the time, no matter what group of people you have, whether it's police officers, whether it's firefighters, whether it's the military, whether it's whatever it is, pick a group of people. There are always bad apples in every one of those groups of people, no matter what. There is always bad apples in there. And, and my point is, is that until the good apples call out the bad apples all the time and hold themselves, each other, accountable for that, this whole scenario that we're talking about is never going to change. It just won't it's change. Just repeat, it's going to repeat. It'll just repeat, continue repeat. to repeat itself, right? Because, um, you know, we, at least in my opinion, I, I obviously am convinced and I'm... <laughs> I don't think anyone will disagree with me that when it, well, I'll talk about police in general. I mean, there are more good police than there are bad police. Oh, for sure. Right? There's more good cops than bad cops, if I can put it that way. Uh, but the unfortunate thing is I don't think enough of those good cops call the bad cops out. And, and, well, when, they, was, and when they do get called out, the management doesn't take aggressive action to fix the problem. Yeah. 
right? I mean, this officer we're talking about here, I mean, he was, you know, he had issues in his past, not one, <laughs> many in his past that were never dealt with in a, in a, in a. And that was the statement I was trying right. to make earlier. The, this cop who did this is absolutely at fault, but one can't stop there with saying, okay, you can't blame him utterly because his supervisors, we had, um, um, the, the current, a uh, governor, uh, sorry, Senator of the state was the DA who declined, uh, pursue charge against him at an earlier date. I'm not going to go down any names or anything, but she's a vice presidential candidate right now or, or a possibility for it. So do you blame her? No. Do you blame the supervisor? Do you blame, you know, who allowed him to be on the job to do this? That's what I was trying to say earlier yeah. about the rage on people going, it, it would be easy just to point at him and say, he is the problem. Get rid of him and all else is, is fine. No, there, there was, somewhat of an institution around it well, that allowed we, it to happen. And we have systemic issues in this country with the law enforcement and our justice system to begin <clears> with, <throat> right? And so <clears throat> I'm, a, I'm a root cause analysis kind of person, right? So in this particular case, yes, I mean, saw the video. We see what happened. We know who's to blame. Regardless of what anyone else around him did, there's only one person that did it, right? Who, yeah, quote, sure. pulled the trigger. Yes, um, so, so it's very clear, but, but that's just one case that, that doesn't try to get to the root of what a systemic issue that there is around this type of activity and the type of, of the means that police use to handle certain situations, um, and the type of training they get to handle certain situations and how they learn how to deescalate things. And, and, and yes, unfortunately, in, the, in our world, there are going to be circumstances where the outcome is not what we want. But in, in, I would hope that in those cases, it was one of these split-second decisions where there wasn't time to think, and you have to make a decision, and you hope you make the right decision. But unfortunately, we know that not all the time that's mm -hmm. going to happen. Um, but until we, until we really get to the root cause of the systemic issues we have in our justice system in general, um, you know, I don't see these things. Uh, I don't see them changing. Yeah. I mean, one department might change. They might be able to fix something, but that that's one department in the entire country. And, and how do they, you know, how do you systemically fix a, fix a problem uh, that has existed for probably <laughs> since the inception of this country, right? Um, well, you always kind of look at, to me, you look at uh, different police trainings. Like there's so many there's got to be a, a, a city that's done so well with the way they train their officers on how to interact with folks. And, you know, there's stats on everything. Like how many people were accidentally hurt in any regard, like mm -hmm. broken arm or, you know, whatever the altercation was. And how do you really do that? Cause to me, it's like you, you watch the sci-fi movies. It's like in the future when they arrest you, they'll just, they'll just zap you and you'd be neutralized. Like you're just yeah. numb and you can't move and they'll just put you in the car. So there's no, pro there's no chance of a problem. Mm -hmm. But today, there's always, there's no matter what, like, who wants to be arrested? So they're going to somewhat resist arrest in a sense because you're being handcuffed and you're like, well, I'm not naturally trying to do this, but, you know, my body's like, I can't really mm -hmm. move that way. So that's always so interesting to me when people, like, have those videos where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm not resisting arrest. And it's like, what do you do when you are being arrested? Like, the officer's like, I'm going to arrest you. Like, I'm sure there's peaceful ways to go. Like, you know, everyone puts their hands out. But then there's always the, the tactic of where you got to, put someone on their stomach mm -hmm. and they put the knee on the back of their neck. I mean, that to me is like, is that, that's not taught. I don't see that being taught, putting a knee on the neck. 
I really don't. I, is that do we know if that's being taught? I don't think so because, especially in the the days of you know now we have the chokehold and people not realizing there's a carotid there's, and there's yeah. a something else and you grab the wrong one you kill them you don't yeah choke them out and you know you get shows like Twenty Four that has the because <laughs> that's that to me was the strangest thing about the video was the casual casualness of the scenarios of the way the cops were treating it where like they were just watching. And to me, it's like, isn't the whole idea is to get this guy in this car, right? Like, why aren't we trying to do that? Why, why wait ten minutes on the ground? Yeah. If that makes like, why? What's going on? And maybe a police officer can explain to me the procedure of, you know, apprehending a subject, then getting him into the car, and then yeah. to go to processing. But like that, to me, didn't make a lot of sense to me because, you know, there's a search thing. I can I can understand that. There's procedures for that, but you know, ten, like ten minutes, like you say. Like, do you know? Well, do you know uh, who else doesn't have a, a clear answer to that? Every single person who's been looting and rioting, and that's the problem. You, there's a knee-jerk reaction. There's, you know, rage, pent-up, bottled yeah. frustration, whatever, that let's burn down literally the things that can save us. We don't even know what's happened yet fully, what's happened. You know, yesterday I'm hearing stuff, oh, the guy was coming, you know, he died in the hospital, and there's a report that he was coming off of a heroin overdose, and that's what killed You know, no one knows. Yeah, no, absolutely. What we see is that what this cop did was wrong, and I do blame him utterly. I, I, I well, drink from a couple of comments. I think I may not be making my point clearly. I absolutely blame this cop, but I also know that let's say he just was vaporized today. We're in a society where that doesn't solve the problem. That yeah. solves this one case, but it doesn't solve the problem. As you said, Jay, it's systemic. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying about blame to go around. I absolutely blame that guy. If there's a murder going on, I blame the person who pulled the trigger. But then you look at how did that gun get into his hands, and, okay, there's blame to be assigned there. So I just wanted to make sure that was – I don't think I was – Well, and I think uh, the other thing about these – especially these types of situations when, again, I, I go back to this accountability conversation because I think a lot of what we talk about in today – today's society is about accountability or lack of accountability that exists and the other thing that irritates me just as as a person you know as a a person that lives in the United States uh, a citizen of the United States is the fact that uh, we typically in these particular cases that get put in the media you know we don't get the whole story until people actually have posted videos that were there at the time yeah. Right. So we hear, oh, he was resisting arrest. Well, the videos prove he was not resisting arrest. Mm-hmm. But yet that was the story. Right. And well, I mean, the news and that story was believed until the videos came out. Well, that's why I love and the. Uh... And there's been previous stories of these types of incidents with especially with African-American men uh, that the story behind it was uh, he was resisting. He was charging. He was blah, 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 blah. And, you know, almost a year later, the court mandated that they release the tapes and the tapes proved that that was all a lie. And the cop was arrested and he was charged and he was convicted. No, and unfortunately, the cops right. here all had body cam. The the death that they happened... Did week, <clears throat> they did They did. The death that happened a week before, Ahmoud, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I, I forgot the name. Ahmaud Arbery. Thank you very much. I feel mm-hmm. bad that I, I lost the name. What's funny haha is that it would have gone away had that tape not been leaked the the video mm-hmm. 
the father shooter was the one that leaked it, thinking that he would get more people on his side. If he hadn't done that, what, if he hadn't been idiotic side, enough. Though? They weren't being charged anything. <clears throat> That's what I'm saying, but people were talking about it. But, I mean, it wasn't. His family was making noises and stuff, so he's the one no. that orchestrated the leak to the media of the video. Kind of, had he not done that, the cover up by the DA's office and police department in that community would have continued. So, thankfully, he was an idiot. But you're absolutely right. Without the video proof. Well, and, and I think, you know, if we talk about the systemic problem, when we talk about things like criminal justice and, and, and law enforcement and those types of things, uh, we find that, you know, these groups, especially law enforcement, and I'm not talking bad about this, I'm just pointing out the truth in my opinion, is that you, be, you kind of become part of this, uh, I guess I'll call it a, uh, uh, here we go, it's yeah, coming, it's I, coming. I, and, you know, like a fraternity, Yeah. right? And why I couldn't think of that, I don't know. But you're, you become part of this fraternity, if you will. So then there's this sense of... I got your back no matter yes, what. no matter and, what. Well, I, I, right? Not to mention that we look at some of these positions that are in the criminal justice system, and they are partisan elected positions, mm -hmm. which, again, throws in another uh, uh, level of this fraternity yeah. and what can be perceived as right versus wrong, not what the law might say is right versus wrong. So, you know, like I can't stand living in a state that elects judges based on partisan politics. I think it's ridiculous that, that we do that because politics are not supposed to play a part in our criminal justice system. What's supposed to pay a part in our criminal justice well, how do you system change is enforcing that? the laws. Is that changing the state law? Right. So how, how, we well, sure. get rid of that? Because you're right. I mean, logically, that makes Not sense. every state elects their judges based well, on political parties. Well, that's what I'm saying. Parties. So, I mean, I, I understand there's, there's, there's a reason we did it because, you know, you can take advantage of it or whatever. But, you know, as a society, especially as a local community, it's like how do you make that change? And especially when you – like the current topic is the police force and things like that and – to me, HPD has always been a good police department. I mean, I, I'm sure there's, and that's probably because I have family in it, and I, and I, it's so nice to have a family member who's an officer who I respect. Mm -hmm. Like he's the officer who I would think that's the perfect officer in a sense of the way he treats people, the way he acts. And I mean, I know he's been in some serious situations. Like uh, I said previously, he was in SWAT for several years for HPD. But like, it, but I also, you have to. I also have to look at the way people expect to be treated because i know mm -hmm. when i get pulled over i'm i'm not thinking i'm gonna get shot but it's more of like i'm nervous because mm -hmm. i did something wrong and i'm like i don't know what to do i wish this could go a little bit easier yeah but i know how to interact with an officer because you just kind of do what they say because in my mind you literally have to do whatever that guy says for at least 30 minutes before something else like right. the next procedure happens he can really do whatever he wants yeah in my mind because, you know, you, you don't know. You can mm -hmm. be one of those guys, that, according to law, one, two, five, section. Yeah, I mean, just get over with it, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But I, I, you you as a politician, and you're running for Senate, uh, Texas uh, Senate 4, mm -hmm. District 4, which is what? That's Montgomery County? Or no, what, what area is that? T tell it's, me. That. It's a, from basically from 105 across the northern part of, including Conroe, okay. south, all the rest of Montgomery County. Okay. 
the portion of uh, the woodlands that's in Harris County. Okay. And then the eastern, there's an eastern strip of Harris County that's Kingwood and then down the ship channel that gets into Chambers County. Oh, my gosh. All of Chambers County, this? all of Jefferson County, which is Beaumont down to Port Arthur and Bolivar Peninsula and Galveston County. That's a lot of area to cover. Now, with that, it, with what we've been talking about, when you when you apply yourself into that position of Senate District Four, mm-hmm. that those guys meet every two years, right? Mm-hmm. The, legisl- the legislation, legislation. Meets every two that's years. what you would be called to do, and you kind of just do local Texas politics. Well, you right? Yeah. So the, I mean, the the state legislation—they're the ones that set all the state laws. Yeah. Uh, any constitutional amendments have to go through the state legislation. They set the state budget. Uh, they approve the state budget. Um, and then obviously they deal with, you know, uh, things that go on in, in, in your district. But the reality is, you know, no matter if you're at the state level, federal level, it doesn't really matter. But, you know, you, you can't do anything as a single person, right? A single senator or single representative in Texas can't do anything. You have to have allies on, quite frankly, oh, yeah. both sides of the aisle to try to get anything done. Well, what do you, what do you see as Texas? What are we doing wrong and right? Like what? Because I think the COVID thing is going to bring up a bunch of different legislation or policies, yeah. especially here in Texas, and then especially with the education system because the the changes they have to adapt to. Yeah. Uh, and I th- I see that being the the mountain you got to climb for the next oh sure legislation. I mean, if I if I look at the big picture, right? I mean, I I look at public education is is number one, right? We we have had a public education funding problem in this state for a long time. And even though the last legislative session, yes, they threw a lot of money at public education, but that was because of public outcry because they finally realized what the state legislation had been doing years past and slashing billions of dollars out of public education. And unfortunately, you know, what that does is you, you kind of get away with it at first, but the bottom line is, is a majority of your property taxes go to the schools Right. And so if the state cuts their portion of the funding, it's not like the schools still don't need that money. And guess what they're going to do to be able to get that money? They're going to increase your local property taxes, which is what puts a a higher burden on all of us as homeowners, because is that what's going on here? You know, 50 to 60 percent of our property tax is the ISD is, is the school district you live in. Certainly is for me anyway. It's the majority of your property. Yeah, I wish my house was worth as much as what they're telling me it's worth. I'd and be so, rich. Well, and so that, and that's not the school district that does that, right? Right. It's the yeah. appraisal district, which is another issue in this state, but um, how appraisals are done, uh, and and how there's some fairness across how pr- appraisals are done, and how there's some oversight on how appraisals are done, because I think you know if you see anything, everyone's gotten their appraisals over the past couple of months or whatever. They're like, what know? the heck? And and they they typically all go up, right, by the maximum ten percent, which is what they can do for for residential properties. Um, which is why you always have to pay attention to what your local property tax rates are set by the different organizations, whether it's the and county or the schools or, suckers. or whatever it is, because the reality is the county can, can lower your property tax rate, but because of what the appraisal district did, you're still paying more money. So it really didn't lower your taxes, so to speak. Um, so we have to pay attention to that, right? So, so property, uh, Public education and property tax, and those are those are intricately connected, right? Yeah. So you, you can't fix one without the other, in in, well, in how we're doing. I it. always imagine public education, and this is similar to, and I, I, this is the blanket term. When you come to, I was talking to my wife; she's a nurse, and we're talking about doctors, and you, you come down to the socialism kind of thing where we do provide these services from publicly funded deals. Mm-hmm. And I was and I was I was asking her because mm-hmm. I love small towns. And I was like, I just don't see a small town having the appeal to a well-educated teacher who wants to educate 
you know, to a higher level, mm-hmm. like they're, you're not going to get those kind of teachers and doctors and public servants in a way to move out to say like, you know, a small town like Centersville mm-hmm. or something like that. Or like, or my brother lives, he lives out in Hull, which is in Liberty County and Liberty County in total has 88,000 people. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's more people living in Conroe and then the whole County over there. I'm like, how are they going to get attention to folks who, you know, will better their communities? Mm-hmm. When it comes to education, because I always felt like yeah. that's that, that's that's the root of problem. I think with education is the educators. There's a reason why some schools are so good because the way they teach. Yeah, and and I think that's a big portion of it. Sure. So how do you in the say of Texas? How do you incentivize, you know, a, a doctor or a teacher or someone to move out there and establish <laughs> their life and teach your kids? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question, and I, and I think a lot of that. I mean, I'll be honest. I think some of the you know incentive plans I've seen uh, throughout the country that have, that have been used aren't necessarily something that is, is uh, conjured up at the state level. Mm-hmm. They're, they're usually, you know, initiated at the local level. Yes. You know, where a local city yeah, might, was- might say, hey, you know, we want to try to bring good people back here. So what they're going to do is maybe they'll provide an incentive to, uh, you know, they'll give some, I'll call it grants, whatever they call them, uh, they'll, they'll give a grant and they'll pick, you know, X number of students in X number of different arenas of, of, uh, discipline, whether it's, you know, engineering, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those, those kids will go off to college wherever they go to college. doesn't really matter. Um, but the deal they make is that the, the, the city will pay for their college education. So they'll have no debt when they get done with college. And, and the, the, the payback is you have to move back to where you grew up. Yeah, and you, you saw to, that show Northern Exposure. That's what it was all about. Right, and so so those are types of incentive plans that you see that try to bring you know good quality people back to a community if it's a smaller community. Uh, well, to, that, that's to a improve. timeline though. That's a long time. If you think well, yeah, about. there's but, but I mean the the bottom line is 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 I I don't think you know that's another thing of today's day and age is everybody wants an instantaneous answer and mm-hmm. they want an instantaneous result and and you know I live in reality where a lot of things don't have instantaneous results. Mm-hmm. You have to put a program in place, and then you have to execute that program. And that program, in some cases, is going to take some time for that to work. And, and, but that's what you want it to do, because you want to build it, and you want to grow it. And you, it's just like a business. You start a business, you want to build that business and grow that business. It's not like you open a business. Of course you want it to do a million dollars of revenue the first year, but it's probably not going to do that depending on what kind of business you're in. But you certainly want to grow it to that. And I think a lot of these types of programs trying to do that, and especially rural areas, um, and it depends on the amenities that are available as well, right? I mean, you have to incentivize. I mean, we have so many areas in in the rural, you know, uh, counties and, and, and towns in this state that, you know, they don't even have grocery stores within 30 miles of them, right? So, yeah, my um, brother calls uh, their Walmart the Dollar General. So he's like, "We're going to the Desert of Walmart," and I was I, like, "What's that?" I want to kind of with something that that Brett pointed out and kind of expand on it. Brett says uh, to you, Jay, wrong. The difference between schools isn't the teachers; it's the parents. My extension from that is, I believe a lot of the issue stems with the administrations, and I think there are a lot more parents in an administration than there are teachers. And well, so it, I'm, I'm taking one step further. I have too many friends who are teachers who are just, when I say they're in over the heads, meaning they get no support, you know, they're, they're, they're well, they do definitely, sure. they do definitely seem that they're alone 
with outside the restriction of their curriculum. Well, it's because the administration right. is terrified of a getting sued by a you know the parents kind of set the rules. I think that's where Brett was going with that. You know, uh, and that's one. I think that's going to be one positive of this lockdown. A lot of parents suddenly realize what brats their little <laughs> angels truly are, and may give the teachers a break. And I but have to deal with them every day. Yeah, you know, not realizing that, but I've just seen I've heard from too many friends going, you know, one who just became a teacher is like, I'm waiting for my contract. I'm out. This yeah. is not what I signed up for. I get zero support. I have to pass everyone, whether they, you know, I get zero respect. Now, I grew up in a school where I got beaten with a cane almost every day. And, it, you know, it worked for me. I'm not saying Not everyone, by your parents, right? No, We're no, by the headmaster. Um, well, and, and I, I guess I'll just point this out that, I mean, in, in what I said earlier, I'm not saying that uh, I, I don't think I ever said that the teachers are what make public education what I was trying is. to think of what exactly he was referring to. Because I, I, wrong, I, Jay, I, wrong. I mean, yeah. the, the issues with our public education system is, you know. It's complex. I, 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 it is complex. There is no black or white answer to the issues with our public education system. I mean, we rank well, at, the bottom, at the bottom nationally in public education in the state. In the state. Yeah. And, and we rank at the top in property tax burden in the state. And we are, uh, we are number one in the country of number of uninsured Texans that we have covered under health care. We are number one in the country in the number of rural health care clinics and hospitals that have closed their doors. And so, you know, we have a lot of issues that need to be addressed in this state. And, and we certainly don't need to, you know, have legislative sessions that continue to bring bathroom bills and, and this kind of garbage legislation that is, is doing nothing but distracting and taking away from the things that are actually going to help Texans uh, in the future, well, the, so there was there's one guy who I really like listening <clears throat> to. He's a rapper named Killer Mike, and he is a big proponent of like urban redevelopment and and helping uh, black density, heavy black density places about doing kind of like you said, where the money stays here. Mm -hmm. He says a lot of problems. What happens with urban places is the money leaves. So like if you get educated, a proper education, those mm -hmm. family members are leaving. Yeah, they're not coming back. And one of the things he said that. Kind of, I wonder how, how hard would this kind of idea be, idea be? He was talking about there should be a tax incentive for teachers and public servants where they get tax breaks if they live in the area and they do a certain type of service. Mm -hmm. So they could get you know a cheaper house. Like they don't have to pay as much for a house on the taxes and things like that because that way they stay there. They're staying in the area and they're continuing their their you know professional service of being sure. a, a public servant or like a firefighter or mm -hmm. a police person. Because to me that makes logical sense. Like if I'm a, you have I, to incentivize. If I'm a teacher, I mean, essential. Outside of getting your ten percent at McDonald's or whatever, you know, with your your cool credentials, but it's yeah, like, teacher you know, appreciation what, week, I get a free yeah, coffee. Yeah, it's like, what do we do really as a community to help teachers? Yeah. To focus on what's important. What we want is to educate our children sure. better. Oh, Dick, sorry, it was you that brought up teacher quality? I thought it was Jay. Oh uh, well, yeah. I, well, I, I'm just, I was asking if how do you how do you get a a teacher who wants to teach and continue well, you're, to, you're asking, to incentivize them. You're asking how to incentivize teachers to get them to you know stay in a certain place yeah. regardless of I population. Great, I had great teachers, and then I had so-and-so teachers. And, and I always wonder what kept those great teachers there because you yeah. always have one of those teachers that you remember sure. forever. And I'm like, all right, what, I mean, their mindset, How did they? why did they stay? Yeah. Why are they continue doing this one thing here in this community? Yeah. And that's to me is that's uh, something that Texas legislation can easily kind of figure out 
where you do those kind of, that's where you do those incentives, right? That's well, how I you, think, I, I, and I don't even think it necessarily has to come from the state level, right? Again, these are, if you're talking about tax breaks and certain things like that, I mean, a lot of that is local issues. It's okay. not something the state handles. So I talked to the right? mayor the, here. The state doesn't set your property tax rate on your house. That's not how it works. Okay. The local governments set those tax rates on your house. And if they want to incentivize, like a homestead exemption as an example, you know, I mean, if... Is that like if you're over 65 or something like that? How does that work? Homestead exemption. No, you can get a homestead exemption. You just have to own your home at the first of the year for whatever tax year it is. Mm-hmm. You, you just file for a homestead it's exemption. It's like an extra bonus? It's tw- 20% off your yeah. property tax. Just because you filled out a form? Yes. Yeah. And Correct. a lot of people don't. What? Yeah. Now, if memory serves, I, I why, why would they even have that? And... I don't care. I have it. Well, no, I'm saying, like, why is that automatic then? Like, why do I have to? Is it because Be- they want that extra it's filing It's like the same money? reason why you got to bring in the coupon to get your 20% That's off. Right. How much money does it cost to file that? I don't think it costs anything. No, I, it makes no of, sense to me. Why would they even do that then? Literally, when I bought my house, my realtor said, okay, now let's go over to the tax office. Yep. Take 30 seconds to sign this. No, that's the Randall's program where they're like, hey, yeah. if, you're, if you're not a Randall's card member. You get 20% you're, off. Yeah, right. yeah, you need to sign up, bro. But no one tells you. That's that's so wild to me. The school I went to in Japan uh, was on a Navy base. And I got to say, memory serves. And I, I know we look at our youth with rose-colored glasses, but there was not a single bad teacher. I think the DOD teachers, because they were, you know, normal people who Department of Defense hired to teach in overseas bases Mm -hmm. the quality was staggering you know my english teacher was mr reynolds and he's the one that said you're gonna be a writer one day and i was eight years old at the time he's kind of right (laughs) but i mean it was every teacher gave it now of course back then we were on a one square mile navy base there were no gangs you know the worst things officers as far as you knew you probably weren't cool enough right yeah it's totally true. true. I was Commander Thompson's well, I, kid. I was. Well, cool. I think that's what's the dynamic of Texas is. We're so big and spread out, and that's why I was originally asking my wife. I was like, "What would it take you to move to a population of five thousand? Yeah. Like, what would it take you personally?" And she had she listed off some things that made sense to me, mm-hmm. and and I think she's from Beaumont, and Beaumont recently, I think the past twenty years, they had a huge scandal with their ISD, yeah. and I don't know if that guy even got caught. I think he's hanging out in Bermuda or something like that. <laughs> But you know you have you have these systems, especially in Texas, and you're telling you 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 tell me get involved locally to make some of those mm-hmm. changes and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So because that to me like that makes sense. If I really want to build a better community, you got your public servants need to be treated to the point where they're comfortable and they don't have to buy you know things for their classrooms or yeah. you know that kind of stuff because. That to me is just wild, but that's also I think that's unique to each scenario. I, th- I think yeah. there's some schools out there that do provide that, or maybe you're, you know, PTA well, and I, or you know, and I certainly PTA or whatever it is. I certainly agree that you know not only do you have to you know do you want your school to have you know quality teachers. I mean, I think we you all want your kids to have a quality teacher that's mm-hmm. teaching your kids in school. Um, but you know, it, it's true to, to Brett's point. I mean, that, that's not a one way street, right? I mean, oh, it's not, it's parent, not involve, parent involvement yeah. is in, an important factor and, and just the community in general is an important factor. Uh, it's going to sound bad if I can just get in or failing parent involvement, the complete absence of it, because it's the parents who just stick their, who just enough to say my child's an angel and then go away, you know, expect the teacher to handle everything. I'd rather the, parent does not care 
and leave it in the teacher's hands. Yeah, and you know, and obviously, it sounds you know, bad. I know. In an ideal world, that's what you want, right? I mean, you want parents that are involved, but not overly involved, and you want good quality teachers, and and you want your community to support all of that. I mean, in an ideal world, that's what you want, but the. You know, we live in reality, and in reality, there's a lot of parents out there. Some of them are single parents that they work just to try to put food on the table, and they, I mean, maybe they want to be involved, but there's no way they can be involved if they want to put the they, they want to pay the rent and put food on the table. Yeah, there's a lot of you know dynamics. Yeah, you know, a lot of those protocols were established back in the day when Ward went to yeah. work every day and June stayed home raising the you know. You know, you're going you're yeah. to have, you know, parents that are abusive. You're going to have parents that are drug addicts. You're going to, mm -hmm. and, and they're just, they're not engaged, right? And and that student's release might be the fact that they get to go to school every day, mm -hmm. right? Which is obviously why certain They get meals. Like, they, they get meals, right? Uh, they may be in, a, in an abusive household. And so they get relief from that, right? So, so, so there's so many things that go into, you know, making sure you have a quality public education system because it's, it's not about throwing money at education to, to make it work. It's about putting the right dollars in the right places in public education. That's just like any tax dollar. It's, it's spending the money in the right places, making the investments in the right places that make sense, that uh, will improve the quality of life of whatever it is we're trying to accomplish with, with whatever we're doing with those funds. I mean, to me, to me that's, that's really what it's about. And there is no black or white answer. There is no one right or wrong answer. And, and that's why you have to have the ability to have conversations and, and, and talk across party lines and come to an agreement uh, and make compromises on, on how we can work together. Because, you know, it should never be my way or the highway. It should be what, what can we do to make it best for the majority of people that this is going to affect. And, and regardless of, you know, your... your your certain pet projects or whatever it might be, you know, you're not going to get everything you want. And that's okay because that, that shouldn't be your overall job when you're a, an elected official. Your, your well, job you is to a, serve. You got an interesting right? demographic of people when you were telling me the areas District 4 covers. Because mm -hmm. that's, that, I mean, that goes up, that goes down when it comes to like local income, average income, and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And when you when you run for that office, this particular office, are you representing the people in District Four, or is it more of District Four people trust you to make the right decision when it comes to the overall Texas legislation? Well, it's just just like any position, right? I mean, because I know like Kevin he, Brady he, works a lot in a sense of for this area, mm -hmm. like he, you know, that's what they kind of that's the verbiage they use. Mm -hmm. And I always thought I was always trying to understand, you know, when it comes to like the Senate level here, is it better just to have, you know the voted person's mind just to, we voted for you because you're a good person and you're going to make decisions reflecting Texas or is it we voted for you because you're going to make decisions that help us, not our neighbor? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Well, just I think, I think, I mean, the answer to your question is that's uh, a good question because it depends on how voters vote, right? I mean, you know, it's certainly, it's certainly been my experience uh, living in Texas that depending on where you live, uh, people don't vote for people. They don't vote for candidates. They, they vote for the letter after your name. Oh, yeah. And that's all they care about, right? Oh, so, for sure. So in their mind, they're voting for a letter, and that's in their mind, that is what I stand for is that letter. That doesn't mean what that person that gets elected does is what you stand for because you may not even know who that person is. You may not have ever met them. You might not even know them if you walked by them on the street uh, because you voted for the letter. You, you didn't look at what they stand for, what they do, you know, and, and hold them accountable. 
um, you just take for granted that the letter is doing what you think the letter should be doing and not the person. And, and that's the unfortunate part of our politics, right? Because my, my take on running for an elected office, no matter what it is, whether it was county judge or whether it's Senate District 4 or any other thing that, that you know, uh, I would run for, it's, it's if, if I get elected, I'm elected to represent everybody that lives in that district or that precinct or that county or whatever it is. And, and that doesn't mean I, I'm elected to represent the people I agree with politically. That means I'm elected to represent everybody. So it's my job to be able to sit and listen to an opposing view on something, something I may not disagree with, but it's my job to sit and listen with an open ear. And if they're presenting facts that could potentially change my mind, then so be it. Um, you know, and this is where you have to be able to separate facts from, you know, this is how I feel and believe, but it's not necessarily necessarily true by the facts. Um, so it's important to separate those two things, but it's also important to listen. And, and you know, you're always going to get some benefit out of that because, you know, then you can understand when you're trying to pass a piece of legislation, if you understand kind of what the feelings on both sides of, of your constituents are on, on where they stand on issues, then then quite frankly, that should help the person that's representing them to be able to compromise on certain things, but maybe hold the ground on other things that, you know, are, are maybe more important across the majority of people, no matter what side of the aisle they are on, um, uh, when, when you're trying to, you know, get legislation passed that's actually going to help people, right? So, I mean, and that's my take. I mean, you know, I, people call me all kinds of names just because of the letter after my name, right? And a lot of people won't even listen to me because of the letter after my name, well, but Jay, it's, it's with, unfortunate. With this uh, primary season um, being the first without straight ticket voting, mm -hmm. um, you think there's going to be a shift? Well, I think in this general election, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, I think over time it's going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, because, I mean, there's so few states. But there's going to be like a transition period. Oh, I think absolutely there will be. I, I, I think what you will see, you know, I think you'll see it fairly immediately. I don't know if the results will change that much in who gets elected necessarily. Um, but I think what you're going to see is on those down-ballot races, uh, and I'm not talking uh, school, you know, school boards and stuff, because we already see the difference in voting turnout numbers yeah. in those races, <laughs> right? Uh, You've heard me laugh about in the mud district, the guy can't get three but you're, votes. But you're certainly going to see in the down-ballot partisan races that there is going to be a difference in the vote totals of, you know, the winners and losers because inherently people are lazy. And if they have to go in and scroll through the whole ballot and click buttons next to people's names as opposed to walk in, click the box, walk out the door, uh, you know, you're going to find that people are not going to, because they're not going to do the research, you know. So, again, if they do do that and they're not a researcher, they're just going to go hit the letter, right? They're going to, oh, which one's the R or which one's the D? I mean, that's what they're going to do, and they're not going to do research. Um, otherwise, they're going to know which one's at the top of the ticket they want to vote for, whether it's president and senator and maybe your congressman or whatever, and they'll fill those ones out, but then they'll leave the rest blank because you don't have to fill them all out, yeah. right? You don't have to cast a vote in those things. It's not a requirement. So I think we're going to see vote total differences. But I really think what's going to happen this year, to be honest with you, is I think when people go to the polls, they're going to be expecting to see that there's an R or a D box, and they don't know that it's gone. And then they're going to be hey, yelling at the poll workers, oh, where's uh, my box? Wait, and and so then they're going to get they you know, mad, and then they're going to just go. Hold on, they removed. <laughs> I know they got rid of down ticket voting. 
The straight ticket straight voting. Ticket straight voting. ticket voting. They, do they remove what party you're affiliated no, with? No, no. He's just saying that the, the first thing you... The, the first thing, thing you used to see was a Democrat or Republican, right? So you could either vote Democrat, and it would choose every Democrat uh, okay. on the ticket. I thought vote. you meant even on the individual. I'd be like, oh, oh, that'd be awesome. No, those Ooh, are... Wow, let's do that. Th- those are all still there. That it's would just, make people In order research. to vote for them, you have to physically scroll yeah. through the entire ballot and go click the name. That's what I would do. The box next to everybody's name. What would happen... Just remove the What would happen if we did... If we remove the R and D after people after names. everyone's name, and then people have to or do the research. Intern is R D or I. Yeah, I, that's what I would do. That way, people that would force people to figure it out. Because no one, I like, I think that's it's fair to say majority of people who are taking the time to vote, like they don't have a complete hundred percent idea of everyone on the ballot, and even the propositions and everything. The like majority that. of people do not. I would, and that to me, like, I'm lucky to be here at the radio station where I'm we're talking about constant things with people and I, I'm kind of aware of what, who are these people are and what mm. they're doing, especially if they don't want to come in. I know where they're going to go. Uh, the trash. No, uh, we, we, we try to get that information out, but also I think a lot of people that I'm realizing, especially at my age, I'm slowly understanding. I'm glad I talked today because when I buy a home, apparently I got to fill out a form to save me 20% or whatever. If your realtor doesn't tell you about that, you need a new realtor. Well, I mean, it's one of those things that people are at different p- points in their life. They don't really know what, what to expect going into the future, mm-hmm. especially with Holly and I talking about her going back to school, wanting to have children. And, you know, I want to have, like, 10 babies. So I was like, how are we going to figure this 10-baby thing out? <laughs> and because uh, I want to have a soccer team. That would be awesome. No, I was kidding. That's, <laughs> but it's one of those things where people are voting, at, like especially if you're 18, like, they're going to be – purely motivated by what social media and like what group they're a part of. But I think as people get older, that's why that kind of urban myth is like, oh, as you get older, you become a conservative kind of thing. Uh, I mean, I don't think that's really true, but it's people change their minds as they grow mm-hmm. and especially what it, what well, it impacts them change. and things like that. And, I, and unfortunately for me being here for seven plus years, I haven't really seen like a drastic change in Montgomery County. Not, not saying that there needs to be change in the way the quality of life is being created here but that's always always curious like you're running for senate four like what things at that level are need to be happening because the bathroom bill is the only thing i can think of is just kind of like why are we even talking about this <laughs> but there's other things that like you said like they've been doing something for something for so long with education and like the the money's being drained somewhere else and no one really paid attention to it until recently I, that's where I am going forward with a lot of the topics I want to hear from people. Is like what what is gonna what's being brought to the table and things like that. So that's your challenge because you're going yeah, to go sure. on your social media and talk about issues because you're going to try to commit to all these different demographics going from that huge line of towns you just said, getting that message to talk across to them and then yeah. having the ability to understand it. So people, you're on social media. Let's people know where you are, where you post. You primarily post on Facebook, right? Your videos, majority of majority stuff of stuff. So. Do you have a YouTube channel or anything like that, where it's archived? I do or? have a YouTube channel, but I, I'm not the most tech savvy guy. Well, in the that's world, one thing I've learned is like you want to have archived stuff, and Facebook's really bad about archiving, like, where, where people can navigate and find yeah. that stuff for leads. And that's why we put a lot of our stuff on YouTube because when people search for a guest or something, that's usually the first thing that pops yeah. up. Um, and we don't do it live there. We do Facebook Live because it's a lot easier to communicate with people mm-hmm. live. Uh, but that's that's me. Your challenge. That's the way I see you trying to look at the landscape. How am I going to get people to pay attention to Jay Stillberg yeah. and understand what I'm trying to do? Why do I need I need their vote instead of saying the D or the R or the I? And 
Well, and I think it's important to talk about, you know, when it comes to that, it's important to talk about the issues that affect that area. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, again, you know, the issues that really affect Senate. I mean, these aren't the only issues that affect Senate District 4, but they're typically the top of the list of most of the people I talk to, you know, is, is public education and property taxes, right? Tied, tied together. Well, isn't property tax local, though, like you said? So it is local, but this, the, the influence is public education because public okay. education is 50 to 60% of your property tax bill. So if you increase your, if your school district increases your taxes, that's a significant number that can increase in your overall property yeah. tax bill. And if the state government doesn't fund at a level that um. meets, then they make up for it by locally increasing your taxes because they're not getting it from the state. Right, so they offset each other. So, what money goes to the state right now from what sales tax? Sales tax. So, anytime I buy anything from a store, sales tax goes to the state, and the mm-hmm. state's like, "We, what is that money used for? Anything? Anything they kind of want to?" So that's that's the revenue that they generate for the for everything for the budget for everything the whole budget. Correct. Okay. And typically, things like fees, like is that the you, only you, you pay fees, sales you tax? pay fees for everything, right? Um, and there's different taxes that get charged at the state level, right? Gas taxes and those types of things franchise taxes, all those types of taxes go, go to, to the, the state, st- to the state coffers, okay. right? Yeah. Cause I always want your local property taxes, your property tax you pay on your house. That's all local. That, that goes to your local taxing Tammy, authorities. Is that Tammy who gets ours? So, yeah. so that goes to the school. Dang dist- Tammy taking my tax. Yeah. That me. goes to the school districts. It goes to the mud districts. It, it goes to the Lone Star community college. Yeah. It go, you know, the, uh, that that's the things that your, your your local property taxes go to. Those are not funds that go to the state. Those are funds that go to your local taxing authorities, the county, and um, those types of things. So so those two things are intricately connected that way. Um, that you cannot fix your property tax burden without fixing public education funding from the state level. And we have a health care issue in this state. And, and some areas see it more than others see it, right? And that's why some people are, you know, have differing opinions on it because, you know, some people go, well, look where I live, but you go out to a rural area, it's very different. You have access to a hospital here very close. You go to a rural area, they might not have access to a hospital within a close proximity, uh, certainly not a trauma center. That's where you right? slip the local and, bed a little extra and, <laughs> yeah. 20 bucks. Like, you know, and so, so the state seriously needs to have a legitimate conversation about Medicaid expansion. Uh, we are one of very few states. There's only 14 states that have not expanded Medicaid. And all the, all when you the, say expanded, you mean like they changed the guidelines how you can apply for it? Through the Affordable Care Act, the states had the option to expand Medicaid. It's federal money that comes in, which is your money. It's your tax dollars yeah. that comes into the state. Um, now, why would you not want that? Well, a contingencies. Ma- so, a majority of the reasons well, I can you tell take you, take this money, there are strings attached. There's the majority of it. It's a, typically there's a partisan conversations, right? Okay. But there's been several red states that have expanded Medicaid, and of course, at the beginning, it was all like, "Oh, it's going to cause the states to go broke, and they're going to have to file for bankruptcy, and you know, this is going to be terrible for the states." And what we've actually seen in the states that have expanded Medicaid is their actual state revenues have actually increased because it ensures more people. It provides funding to these rural uh, healthcare but Medicaid's and clinics for and hospitals. A certain class of people, right? It is. Yeah, those of bad breeding. And it's typically those people. <laughs> well, it's, no, really. Like, it's typically how do you get on Medicaid. It's, yeah, it's based, Medicaid is based on need. Typically, Medi- poor people that can't afford healthcare okay. insurance. So, if you think about the fact that these people in this state, it would be 
a million people that could get insurance almost instantaneously if we expanded Medicaid. Now, is this part of the... So think of those number of people that when they get sick and they go to the doctor, where do they go? They go to the emergency room, yeah, which has exorbitant fees. Oh, yeah. Right? Do they ever pay it? No. no. So now that burden of that cost goes on to so everybody else because it gets paid when, for, believe me. So when it's expanded, are you saying that the relationship between Medicaid and the individual or is it the Medicaid and the hospital? Like you're saying that the, the million-plus people can be on, so it can be insured? more people can apply for Medicaid and have Medicaid coverage okay. for health care. So the individual applies for it. Okay, mm-hmm. now I'm understanding. But yeah. now more people would be eligible to <laughs> okay. apply for it. And they would have coverage. And they would have coverage. So now you wouldn't have these people going to an emergency room for their normal general health care and not paying it because they can't afford it anyway, but they're not going to get turned away from an emergency room to where now they can actually go to a doctor and it's going to be paid for. And now that decreases the burden of the amount of health care that goes on that's uncompensated, right? So there's a lot of factors that go into this. And those decreases in those uncompensated health care burdens actually overall benefits the state. And, and we've seen that time and time again in the 36 states that have already expanded Medicaid. So why we don't even entertain a conversation of it just boggles my mind. Well, I mean, it probably stems from that DNR kind of Well, it's thing, very much so. it's part of Obamacare, and we don't want any part of it. That, that is usually the total conversation that goes along oh, with it. Snake right? oil. So, uh. And obviously the other thing that affects in a significant way Senate District 4 is flooding. Yes. Right. Oh, yeah. So, those I want a damn. I want a moat and a dam outside. Well, so, you know, we got to be closing on the that. show pretty soon. So I want to let people know, Jay Silberg. Uh, I put all his info, like Facebook and all that kind of stuff. You're going to be on the ballot in those areas uh, for Texas Senate District Four. Yep. That's in November. So when you go, right, in, you are not part of the runoff that's happening. In July. I am not. I, I do not have a runoff. Cool. So, yeah, because that that's happening in July. Um, people know. So let people know they expect to see your name. And I, I really like the idea. I wonder what the steps is going to be needed to take in to, to remove the R and the D on the, on the ballots. I think that would be awesome because people I think that would be that would be. Why are we not doing that? I don't know. They Let's do find it, out. They do it at the city level. They do. Yeah. City, city, nonpartisan races. city elections are nonpartisan races, so the mayor and city council, there's there's no R's and D's. Well, but you well, OK, I know we're running out of time, but you could still. Like, say there's the, the, the judges here, the county judge see it's nonpartisan, but could you still say you're a Republican? But so, you can't put that on your advertising, right? So the county, you can, but why would or you? Or the county judge. So the county races are partisan. Okay. What, okay. City races are not. Okay. So the mayor. Okay. The mayor, okay. Houston, I'm the mayor. The mayor of Houston, the mayor of Conroe, Can the I city put council. Republican on my sign? You sure could, but why, you know. Why? Because yeah. right, right off the bat, you'd be alienating a certain well, I was just amount of people. I was just curious. Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, that to me, I, I want to usually, know Usually that doesn't benefit too much in nonpartisan races. Yeah. Right? Because the whole point of nonpartisan races is people do want to actually hear what you have to say. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, you know, let's be honest, in nonpartisan races, pretty much everybody knows or you get called out for whatever party you affiliate with. Let's not be, let's, let's be serious about that. But most of them do not put their affiliation on any of their, uh, you know, signs or uh literature or anything like mm. that right i mean they put their their platform on there and then they campaign on that platform and they don't campaign based on r's and d's they just campaign so well let's uh I'll, i'm gonna have you back in before november hopefully sure and uh folks thank you so much for tuning in shawnee want to close out with anything i want to say make good life choices out there don't text and drive uh, enjoy the weekend 
Keep your safety protocols going. Wear your masks. And I'll see you on Monday. Yeah, well, we have a full lineup next week, so we will be on Monday, uh, Friday, and Wednesday. And then we're looking for more guests. So if you're interested, call, text 936-228-9368 or email us at dickandskippy at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back on Monday. Today's show was recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and all rights and ownership are reserved to Lone Star Community Radio. For more information regarding this program and Lone Star Community Radio, visit us online at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station, serving the community with local programming on TV, radio, and online. If you enjoy today's program, please support us by sponsorship or starting your own show. Contact us today by phone or text at 936-666-1084 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.